Good morning, everybody. Uh, I, <laughs> for a moment, I'll, I'll give you way more information than you need, but for a moment there, I wasn't sure I was going to get back by the end of announcements because something happens when you are over 40 and you start a new diet that requires you to drink more water than you've had in a very long time. Um, it's not always certain, which reminds me, I should probably bring that over. It's not always certain that you are going to uh, make it back. So if I run out in the middle of the sermon, blame my life change. <laughs> I will make sure the mic's off. Thank you, Stephanie. No problem. Um, we're continuing on in our, our vision series this morning uh, for these three weeks, last week, this week, and uh, next week. Uh, we've been talking about what it means um, to walk out our, our values, um, particularly as it comes to uh, how we as followers of Jesus pursue uh, the presence of God, the family of God, and the mission of God together. And the word that we, I had gotten this year um, from the Lord was that it's time for us to let our light shine. And we'll talk a bit more about what that means for us this morning as it pertains to being the family of God. But uh, before we do that, I just, uh, in these vision series, uh, I like to uh, take some time where we're just reminding uh, ourselves, reminding one another, and even speaking it out uh, to the world around us um, why this church actually exists, who we are, and who we're supposed to be. Um, and so if you would uh, read these out loud together with me, uh, that'll help me a whole lot. So this is the vision of this church. The vision is, if you'll read it with me, we will be a center of renewal and revival for our city, region, and world. Renewal is the work that God is doing in us to, to make us day by day more like Jesus. Revival is, is us bringing uh, what it is Jesus has done in us out to the world around us to see the world around us redeemed and restored. So it's redemption and restoration reconciliation, meeting the needs for redemption and restoration and reconciliation. That is the, the vision. Our mission is this. If you read it, okay, you ready? We're going to read this together for real. I was, I'm like this way and this way, but I, I need some help. We will equip and release the body of Christ to do the work of Christ by being fully given to the presence of God, the family of God, and the mission of God. It means that our responsibility as the local church is to equip the, the body gathered, the family of God that gathers here, uh, all that call the river home, and uh, not just equip, but to release you into your neighborhoods and into nations. That we would do the work of Christ, but to do the work of Christ, we must be, as disciples of Christ, fully given, given ourselves fully. We, we define a disciple as, as someone who is moving from unbelief to belief in every area of life. It means in every area of life, we are giving ourselves fully to God in his presence. We are giving ourselves fully to participating in the family of God. We are giving ourselves fully to engaging his redemptive work in the world. And these are the way we do this, these statements of value that line up with this presence and, and family and mission. And you'll see some highlighted words, and those are the words we really um, uh, hone in on, but these statements mean something to us as far as how we are interacting with God, how we interact with one another, how we interact with the world around us. So if you read these with me as well, 
we will live our everyday lives doing the work of Jesus in his name and authority through an overflow of intimacy with the Father. We will be transformed by the written and spoken word of God and encounter his manifest presence. We will live from our identity in Christ, devoting ourselves to each other in love, cultivating authentic relationships, and living generously. We will empower the next generation to be fearless and fruitful. We will reproduce kingdom-minded servant leaders who will bring creative solutions to neighborhoods and nations. We will expand the kingdom through creativity and risk-taking. That is who we are, church. And so for this year, um, the Lord has, has highlighted uh, this passage of Scripture in Matthew 5, um, and we've, we've been unpacking it, and we're unpacking it in these three weeks. Uh, and he says this, he says, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have you ever gotten home late at night um, when you know everybody in, in your household is asleep? And you turn onto your road and you notice that your neighbors have probably uh, called it a night as well. You could tell because the houses are dark and everything is quiet. But yet there, when you're looking down the road, you see this, this beacon and it seems to be glowing from your house. And you realize everybody's asleep and they left all the lights on. <laughs> right. Now, sometimes nothing frustrates me more than that, right? Because I go in, and I, I start romping through the house, and I mutter under my breath, I can't believe they went to bed, and they don't think about the light bill, and i got to turn this light off, and i got to go upstairs, and now, like, I'm really tired, and it's the end of the day, and I've got to go down the stairs, and then back up the stairs again. If only they would just turn off all the lights. Would somebody just remember? Usually they don't. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I came home, and uh, it was after our, our, um, our governing board meeting here, and it was, it was a little bit later, and uh, everybody was in bed, and I was going through, and I started turning off the lights. I started to do the mutter, that mutter thing. And then the Lord, very gently, as he often does, just whispered to me, but this means that there's life here. Celebrate the fact of that. In every single one of these rooms today, life was happening. And so it changed my muttering to walking through the house and to turning off the lights with thanksgiving. Uh, thank you for what happened in our dining room today, God. Thank you for what happened in the living room and in the family room. And what happened in the bathroom. Well, I don't want to think about it. Thank you. See... Light, and, and when light is turned on, it's full blast, and we see it, because we're not that used to it. It can often become a real source of conflict for us, rather than um, becoming a, a source, a reminder that this life is going on all around us. And so, um, also, you know, in our home, and I don't know if you do this, but often at night, because we have little ones, 
um, you know, we'll leave one light on, maybe a night light, or we have a very dim shower light, and so we'll turn that on and kind of crack the door so they can find uh, the bathroom if they need to at night, that we know that it's safe and, you know, nobody's falling down and uh, finding their way down the stairs or anything like that. Um, but, but you ever notice that you turn that one light on, um, after a little bit of time as you're kind of moving around, your eyes get adjusted, and all of a sudden you can see that light from every point in the house, can't you? Even if you go down, like in our house, you go downstairs, I can go downstairs and I can sit on the couch and I know that there's light coming from inside of the house. See, light is a powerful force because it both orients us and reminds us that there is life going on all around us. Now, I want to focus on this one phrase this morning in that Matthew passage as it pertains to us and our look at what it means to be the family of God and, and being a family of light this morning. He says, and it gives light to all in the house. So from the moment that the church is birthed, how we relate to one another uh, came into focus immediately. And you see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes in Pentecost, um, people are out, and they're doing the mission thing, and they're talking to people in their own languages, and, and Peter's interpreting what's happening, and they, they stop, and they call it a day, and at some point, someone had to look around and just go, so um, what do we do now? We're all having this common experience. What do, we, what do we do now? Where do we go? And so we see there at the end of Acts 2, it gives a description. The church is starting to meet, and they're devoted to one another and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and worship. And, and they're, they're being very generous to one another. And so from the very beginning, the, the church starts functioning as a family to one another. Mostly because in this time, to, to uh, proclaim faith in Christ meant then that you were completely ostracized from the natural family that you have. So where do we find our care? And those who had, who had means, how would we give care to others who needed it? And so... As this is coming into focus, the writers of Scripture start, start talking about what it means to be family, starts talking about what, what uh, this family looks like, and we start to see uh, in Scripture, uh, folks like John um, are writing to us. Did I? I jumped ahead. Nope. I'm sorry. Folks like John are writing to us. He says, But to all receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of flesh and of blood, but of God. So John is saying, from the very beginning, you're children of God. He's given you this right because you belong to him, because you called on the name of Jesus. This makes you now children of a father. Elsewhere in 1 John, he goes on, he says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Paul later in Ephesians writes, we are members of God's household. So this moment you come to faith in Christ, uh, you become part of a family of people who have also given 
their lives to him. Children with a father who make up a household. And so I know family can be very risky. Um, For me, when I first got introduced to this concept of the family of God, it was a risky uh, endeavor to engage it, mostly because family was very unhealthy for me growing up. My parents divorced early, the people in and out, uh, men who I would look at and say, are you father, are you father, are you father? Until... Uh, a day came that my own father was able to re-engage relationship. But, but growing up, family is very risky. And if you did, uh, we used to have to do this thing called a genogram. And I don't know if any of you have done that. But you go back and you look at, like, your family uh, patterns and sin patterns. And you just saw divorce and fracture and splinter and affair and, and all of these things all over the family line coming down. So the idea of engaging family, especially family with a bunch of people that I didn't know, that well, in, in my heart, in my, my natural being, um, came with a lot of risk. And so we're going to redeem, and I hope that God redeems some of this idea of family for us this morning. And as we, we look at family, we see that, that in the teachings of Jesus, Jesus is setting up very clearly God is Father, refers to his father all the time, and he refers to the disciples as brothers and sisters. So he uses this familial language, um, language that is inviting them in to be part of something and to be a part of each other's lives in a way that's very different than just going through some religious um, activity. It's very different than going, oh, I heard Jesus is setting up on the hillside over there, so hey, why don't we go? Like, we should go check that out. We're going to go sit and um, maybe we'll, we'll sit there, we'll get something, maybe we'll get like an autograph before he goes, and then we'll go back to our lives. Jesus saying, no, no, no. You, you are, you're in this together. Paul writes instructions and encouragement and even corrections all through his letters to the family and how the family ought to be interacting with one another. The early church were considered households, made up of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, made up of any race or any social strata. All were welcome into this family. See, it moved far beyond even our own thinking of what a nuclear family is. And family was often how the early church themselves um, identified. So a couple of things about family that that we need to understand as we're moving forward. One, this is not a made-up term that we're going to use this morning. It's all over Scripture. So we're not taking some some made-up term that's like part of uh, a church growth strategy or plan or anything like that. That family is all over the practice of the early church. Second thing we're going to look at is family is not a metaphor. It is a calling to which we must be obedient as followers of Christ. See, church isn't like a family. It is family. 
God isn't like a father. We're not giving him some descriptor. He is, at the very core and heart of who he is, he is father. Jesus isn't like a brother. He is brother, that one who sticks close to us, closer than anyone else. And believers aren't like brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. We are brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. One article I read, uh, wrote, uh, was reading gave this quote. It says, our, our problem is semantics. See, when we say church, we don't think family, right? We, we say, I'm going where this morning? To church. We're going to a place, an activity. We don't think of ourselves as, as going, I'm gathering with the family today. We have to understand that we are not simply planting a church when a church gets started. We are not starting a Bible study. We are not starting a 501c3, which is the technical term for the nonprofit organization that exists in the eyes of the state and the federal government. We are establishing a family. Again, it's risky because many of us come from very broken family situations. We come from family situations that sometimes can feel very dark. But God's intention by the Holy Spirit, by us being connected, as we talked about last week, being connected to the source of our light, that is Jesus, is to create a healthy family. One in which we are able to be light to one another as we walk through this life together. And so I want to talk about what it means to give light to all that is in the house. You may hear from time to time that we, uh, I'll refer to God, do what you want to do in this house. I don't say do what you want to do in our church. This is a house. When we gather, this is the household gathered together. And so, when Scripture says that they gave light to all in the house, this is what they're talking about, all those that are gathered, who call the name of Jesus, who desperately need this light. There are two ways that we will shine bright um, as we are pursuing uh, this, this, this life of connecting to the light of God in His presence. The first is we will shine bright by staying connected to the Father. So we were talking about last week that we receive and extend what, what is called in the Greek agape. This agape love. Agape is it's the love of the Father. It is the absolute, in, in the eyes of the Greek world, this was the absolute highest form of love you could attain was agape love. It is a love that originates not from us, but from God himself. So as we engage God in his presence, we become familiar with the agape. We become filled with the agape that we can go and turn to those who are all gathered in the house and give agape. John 13, Jesus stands up and he says, a new command I give to you that you would agape one another. You would love one another. You would agape one another. You would, you would engage one another with the Father's love. 
See, the light of our love is divine in its source, and it is supernatural in its application. This means that the family of God can operate in agape as long as, hear this, we can operate in agape as long as the members of the house, the family, the children gathered in the house are connected to the Father. See, if, if we're not connected to the Father, then our love is just natural, which means that our love is fickle, and it is self-serving, and it's full of our own agendas, and it is always run through the filters of our pain. But we're connected to the Father. All those around us who experience love, experience agape, it's a love that's just different. It's not something that we can muster up on our own. Something he gives away freely to us. The other way we give light to all that is in the house is we shine bright, the passage says, by displaying our good works. Now, we know that good works do not save us. Our good works do not bring us salvation. Our good not works do not bring uh, us any favor with God that... Uh, is gives us no, like, merit with him. He just loves us as we are. However, our good works do put on display who we belong to. Sometimes in throwing out the idea of good works because it's tied to salvation, we forget how to actually interact with one another. And that interaction is absolutely works. So he talks, Scripture talks about and is flooded with this idea of one another. In the New Testament, over 100 times, 94 different verses, one another is used. 47 of those verses give very specific instructions to the followers of Jesus. 60% of them are written by Paul to the households of, of gathered believers. Again, for encouragement and for teaching and for correction. See, these good works that flow out of us, that are birthed in us in our time uh, with the Father in His presence, become the byproduct of, of the Spirit's filling in our lives. And what they effectively do is, as I give my good works to you, I fan the flame of your light. And, and as James takes the good works that are being birthed in him from the Lord, he takes those and he turns to someone else and he gives them so that their light is, is flamed. And so the church doesn't just become a place where when we gather together we sing and it feels really light and bright. The church becomes this interaction of a family whose job it is to make sure that all of our lights are constantly firing at full capacity. Let me give you some examples on these slides of, of uh, some of these writings. Paul in Hebrews 
writes, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing, he's saying, stir one another up to love, do good works to one another, don't neglect meeting together. Listen, when we, I feel like I am in a place that's just not good, when I am in my own self-loathing and my own uh, just mess, often um, I look at my life and I realize I have withdrawn from the family of God. And when I start to re-engage, I start to find that I believe about myself again, those true things that God said about me. Again, we, we go on. In Romans, Paul's writing, and he says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Man, that'd be a fun game to play. Show up in church on a Sunday and try to out-honor each other. Or maybe in our house, maybe in the supermarket. Because that's how those who are living in darkness actually see light. It's not meant to just be shut in here. We'll talk more about that next week. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Andy Stanley uh, was writing, and he said the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Everybody say that, one another, one another. That was really fun to hear. That was just purely for my own. <laughs> um, the good folks over at overviewbible.org put together this uh, breakdown of these one another statements, and, and I want to lead us through these a bit this morning. Um, these one another statements that are found in Scripture that we talked about, uh, about a third of them deal with the unity of the church. About a third of them instruct us to actually love one another. Fifteen percent or so uh, talk about humility and focus in on our attitudes as we interact with one another. The rest uh, are just further encouragement for healthy interactions um, as we are living this life together. Think of these one another uh, statements, and we're, I'm going to read through them uh, in a minute. Um, and I actually have copies of these, so if you want to take some of these home with you today, put it on your fridge or something so that you uh, are just, it's just your constant reminder, right? So um, a good way to think of this is like a family manual. Or you've walked into people's houses, and it's pretty popular now, and you'll see, like, the sign on the wall or the painting that says, like, in this family we, and it's like, you know, we live, we laugh, we play, um, you know, we, we root against the cowboys, we, like, whatever it is, depending on the house that you're in, and there's always this list of, of the way we, as a, this is how we say, we as a family, this is how we will interact with each other, and as a result, we will learn to interact with the world around us. This is how the family works. 
This is how we are a city on a hill that is burning bright for all to see. This is how we give light to all in the house. So I'm going to read these. I'm going to invite you just, just to be in a posture to just hear them. This is the instruction of Scripture. These are all in imperative form, which means that these are direct. This is, this is not... Um, these are not suggestions. These are actually commands. It means if, if you belong to Jesus, there's a way we're to be living and interacting with one another in the house. Not just in this house, but with any believer anywhere. And so Scripture says, when it comes to the unity of the church, be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning communion. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. No zombie church. Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another, and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. As it pertains to our love, multiple times in Scripture it says, love one another. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Greet one another with a kiss of love. I mean, appropriate contact is okay to... Be devoted to one another in love. As it pertains to our interaction, our attitudes towards one another, give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind towards one another. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And these are the rest. Do not judge one another or put a stumbling block in another's way. Again, greet one another with a kiss. They're very affectionate. Husbands and wives, <clears throat> don't deprive one another of physical intimacy. Yeah, we're good? We're good? Okay. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. 
pray for one another and be hospitable to one another. So we all got this down, right? This is how, this is, this is our regular life. I'm like, man, when I'm gathered with the family of God, this is what I do. We've got some work to do, or rather, we have some more space to let God move in us, to reveal the heart of the Father to us, so that we can learn to truly one another, one another. So this morning, I just want to leave us with some next steps, some ways that uh, we can very practically start to walk this out. Um, first one is attend an open table. Open table is just, uh, was birthed out of the idea that people needed deeper connection um, more than just Sunday and uh, hung on to, grabbed onto this idea that God promises to place the lonely in families. Open table is a front porch to family. Um, I am pleased to announce that after a year um, because of the difficulties we had had with our home, but now that it is fixed, thank you all, and it is healthy, and we're ready to go, that tomorrow night, Sarah and I are going to be hosting uh, Open Table. Um, and if you are in need of family, come. All it is is dinner. There's no Bible study. It's just connection. Um, on the River Community Board, uh, if you're not there already, if you go onto Facebook, you can request to be part of the River Community Board. It's where we post a lot of uh, information about events or things that are coming up um, or prayer requests or things that are going on within the family um, that we don't necessarily put on the regular River page. Um, if you jump onto the River Community Board, uh, we'll post some more details such as what we will be making and what we will be asking you to bring. Um, so uh, we really look forward to that and, and uh, it's a great way to connect in, and this is not, Open Table is not um, a regular programmed thing in the church. Uh, we, we have had people that have done Open Table, shown up for a couple of times, they've come over here, and then I find out there's like, they're leading an Open Table in California. It's just about saying, my house is open for anybody who needs it. My table is open so that we can gather together. Come. And anybody can do that, but, but come on out to uh, our house tomorrow night or in another one that is happening in the future. The second thing is join a river group. Listen, this is the place. This is the place. You want to talk about where we work out what it means to be part of the family through uh, our time together, through interaction and, and, and fellowship and, and getting to uh, be known and to know one another and in our deep diving into scripture and times of prayer. It is in groups uh, primarily where this gets worked out. And I am pleased to announce that these groups are going to be starting up again the week of March 10th. Which means that sign-ups are going to be uh, sometime after next Sunday. Uh, I encourage you all, in light of what we're talking about, in, in, in becoming light to one another, in living in this light of family, to jump into a group. To learn how to be family to one 
another. You can serve at our Sunday gatherings. We talked last week about our service being um, a way that we create space to uh, make uh, sure the atmosphere is set so that we, when we come in, we're worshiping God. We're connecting with the presence of the Father. But another way that, that serving um, really helps make our light shine is we look and we go, today when I show up, I am serving you. I'm taking, I know life is busy, I know that, but I am making the decision to say, I'm going to lay that all aside for the sake of serving my brothers and sisters. That means I'll give up a week and go be with kids or uh, serve in guest services or use my musical abilities uh, with uh, the team here when we're leading worship in the morning or... Um, you know, helping, just helping set up coffee and, and, and food creates, again, this, this environment where we're connecting with each other, and the opportunity is there for us to uh, give our light away. And finally, I think uh, one of the, the ways I'd really like to point us to um, today and moving forward is to take one of these and actually start practicing one another in one another. Just look and go, okay, this week, when I walk in and someone asks me how I'm doing, how do I not grumble? I grumble among one another, complain. How do I say, I know people are very different than me. They come from different backgrounds. They may have different ideologies. They may align themselves with different politics. They may um, come from faith backgrounds that worship a bit different than I do. How do I truly accept? How do we accept one another? To be able to really put these into play, to allow this to be a contemplative for us. Take this, open it up, let, use this for your journaling. But for the next uh, few weeks, take this, practice it. Because I really believe in, in our learning what it really means to operate and function as family the way God intended it. Um, that we will absolutely let our light shine. And it is time, as we have said uh, these last two weeks, it is time to shine. And in so doing, I really believe we will move closer to being a center of renewal and revival for not just our city and the towns we come from, but our entire region and our world. And so would you pray with me? And, and we're going to get set to come to the table this morning.